This is the Hockey News Prospect Podcast. Welcome to the Hockey News Prospect Podcast. I'm Stephen Ellis, and joining me today, of course, is Ryan Kennedy. Ryan, how are you doing? Pretty good. Ready to do it. Well, unfortunately, there's not a lot of great news in the junior circles these days, but I will say something that is going to be very cool is we have an interview with Artin Martino later in this podcast. You had a great talk with him. Of course, he's a 2021 draft prospect. I followed him since minor midget, and you and I both saw him in junior A, so we know how much of a talent he is. But let's start with the world juniors first because that's the one that unfortunately is the biggest talking point and one that I don't think a lot of people are getting too excited about right now with how many COVID cases are going on with players teams and Sweden doesn't basically have a coaching staff at this point are, are you concerned about the tournament happening at this point I'm certainly concerned and I, I think the troublesome thing is that we keep hearing new cases as you mentioned Sweden's goalie coach is the latest there was another case on Germany, and I don't think this will be the end of it. You know, teams are coming into their bubbles now, but what we know about this virus is that it doesn't necessarily show up on the first test every time. So we could very well still hear about positive case tests in the coming days. And some of them, you know, might be quite crucial. There might be a good number of them. And then you have to ask yourself, you know, is it worth going through all this rigmarole for a tournament if the players aren't healthy and there aren't enough players to field competitive teams. I, I think the next couple of days are going to be really crucial. And see, this is the thing about the team is when the players are, when, when they get COVID, they're, like, they're not allowed to be replaced. So that's why the teams are bringing these extended camps and extended rosters to try to make it all work. But it's like, if you lose a player, you don't get a replacement. Um, in previous times, if a player was December 10th, if they got injured, you could replace with someone else. You can't do that this time. So that makes it really complicated. And of course, for Sweden, it's almost more complicated. What are they going to do with their coaching staff? Well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's going to be very difficult to coach remotely, you know, and, um, and like I said, you know, we, we don't know all of the, the positive cases yet. You know, you hope that this is it, but the, in the past couple of days, it, it's only gotten bigger. So, you know, what do you do? Like, will there be any adults left on Sweden's bench? I mean, that's a, a very difficult you know, a question to answer at this point. And, and will there be, will they be the only team affected? You know, I mean, we haven't heard of positive cases on some of the other teams, but it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. And, you know, it, it gets to the point where you have to ask about the viability of the tournament and, and really, you know, is the spirit of the tournament going to be fulfilled when you have these rosters that are kind of piecemeal and the coaching aren't there and they kind of have to jump through hoops, you know, like, are they going to do zoom calls, their own players if they can't actually be there. You have to ask yourself, like, what's the point if we're already at this sort of crucial juncture and we're not even close to the tournament itself starting. 
Yeah, and that's I made a joke of Ken Campbell earlier this morning. I said at this point it's just going to be Sweden's coaching staff is going to be people that are already in the bubble, basically just the local media. We're just going to see Ryan Rashog as the head coach, Craig Button as the goalie coach, and we're just going to go from there and just kind of see what happens. And that's it's as much as I love this Not tournament. <laughs> no, as much as I love this tournament, and it was going to be really cool that it was on Christmas. It was something really to look forward to in a year where there hasn't been much to look forward to. I am definitely concerned myself now let's talk about a few of the guys who are going to be missing this tournament and it's it's a short list or i shouldn't say short list it's a very long list at this point william eklund on sweden william wallander on sweden carl henriksen on sweden alvin grew on sweden that's pretty tough for sweden you're going to lose two top centers there uh, Chicago is going to lose multiple of their prospects in, in Lucas Reichel, Drew Camesso, and Alex Vlasic. And you never know if Kirby Doc will be pulled out of this tournament at this point. And the list just gets goes on and on and on. So who are some of the bigger names that you're keeping an eye on? Of, well, I shouldn't say keep an eye on because they won't be there, but some of the names you've noticed as this could actually really impact their team's chances. Well, Carl Hendrickson would be the, the number one guy for me. Uh, the New York Rangers pick – you know, I, I've sort of compared him internationally to Sebastian Ajo, where, you know, we all remember when Finland won gold, Ajo with the, was the center for Patrick Laine and Jesse Pugliarvi, and he was kind of the glue guy. It's like Laine and Pugliarvi just ran roughshod on offense, and if the puck went the other way, they knew Ajo was there to be kind of the conscience of the line. You know, Henriksen's not specifically the same player, but, you know, he's a great motor guy. He's, he's been the center between Lucas Raymond and Alex Holtz internationally for a couple of years now. So there's great chemistry there. And, you know, Hendrickson can really kind of pull that line together down the middle. So without him, you know, Sweden, it was already not a great year for centers for Sweden. And with Hendrickson gone, I, I think that's a really big hit for them. The other name that I think is kind of important is Alex Vlasic with mm-hmm. Team USA. You know, when I talk to people, um, you know, about Team USA, you know, they were talking about the defense maybe being um, not a soft spot, but not as strong as the positions in net and, and up front, because obviously the Americans have some great talented forwards and they're super deep in net. In, on defense, <clears throat> Vlasic was one of the guys that really impressed in the summer. He's a big kid. He's mobile. He's a shutdown guy. And, you know, he's the kind of guy that you put out there with, an offensively inclined defenseman and you have like a really good sort of one-two punch there where he's the guy that sort of hangs back and, and makes sure that everything's good in your own zone. With him gone, that's a big hole for Team USA. And, you know, I think Tyler Clevin, the Ottawa Senators pick from North Dakota that luckily they could bring in uh, before the bubble deadline, I think maybe he can help in that regard. And, you know, Hunter Skinner is another option. Uh, more of a physical guy, but, um, you know, Vlasic was going to be one of the most important D-men for the U.S., along with Cam York and, uh, you know, Jake Sanderson. So for the Americans, I think that's a big one. And I'll also say Timo Nickel, uh, the Anaheim Ducks prospect for Austria, he would have played big mm-hmm. minutes. And mm-hmm. again, there's no relegation this year. So Austria would not have been sent down even if they came last, but, you want to have a good showing. You want to get your program going in the right direction. And this is, you know, going to be a big tournament for the Austrians. Nickel would have been a, a huge minute muncher for them. So really tough for a team that obviously doesn't have the same depth as the top end teams. Yeah. So it, overall, 
not a lot of great situations for those teams. And of course we could see more. It seems like at least for the last couple of days, every time we wake up and look at the news, yeah, there's more players and you really hope this thing goes safely. I know this is tough and these players want to be there. I know it's, it's not ideal to be in bubble situations, especially for the guys, the guys are having to travel and then sit in hotels in a place they're not used to. It's not going to be a lot of fun. And for hockey Canada, they've, just got out of their two-week bubble. So it's they're back at a camp, and that's nice for those guys. But it's like, overall, man, it's just such a poor experience. I feel bad for the guys where this is their only experience of it, where it's supposed to be one of the best hockey moments of your career. Uh, and for a lot of people, it's the biggest milestone they reach. And whether it's taken away because they got COVID or their, the tournament ends up getting canceled, there's just a lot of things where I just I feel really bad for the kids involved. If we get to Christmas Day and we're playing – that's going to be a really nice feeling, but I'm just concerned about that at this point. Yeah. And, you know, it was always going to be a different tournament and a lot of concessions were already being made just in terms of, you know, the fact there's, there's not going to be any fans and Edmonton is going to host again next year. So that sort of, you know, muddled up the, the hosting countries for the next couple of years, but they, you know, they found a good solution for it, but it's, it's difficult. I mean, you don't want to cancel the tournament because it is such a highlight, but at the same time, it, it gets to a point where you say, what is the upshot of hosting this tournament at this point? At this point, I'd say entertainment, but that's truly not as important as the life of, <laughs> or the, the health of all these players. And, uh, I know, but we'll be entertained if it happens, but we don't know. Let's talk about some of the viewer questions we got. And uh, I know we were really pushing the idea last year where, you know, Yaroslav Askarov could be the first goalie since Carey Price to go in the top 10. He didn't end up going in the top 10. Um, but he was definitely depending, like in, in some cases, I think depending on who was picked ahead of him, he might've been, I think he was a top 10 talent. And I think later on, we're going to talk about him when he's won his second Vesna trophy. As you know what? He was definitely one of the best prospects in that draft. But now we've got another one in Jesper Wallstedt. And James Tubb asks, what's the chance that Wallstedt is taken in the top 10 as a goaltender? Something we haven't seen since Carey Price in 2005. Or will we fall in the pattern of being picked at number 11? Askarov, Jack Campbell, and Jonathan Bernier are three of the options. Um, when you look at that, Wallstedt, I wouldn't say is ahead of Askarov in terms of talent. And obviously Askarov's called the one extra year and uh, of, uh, of experience. But Wallstedt, this is a guy who actually... One of my favorite stories, I think we talked about before, how he's the youngest goal scorer in the Swedish under-20 league, and he's a goalie, and he, I believe he was like 14 or almost 15 years old when he scored that goal, which was pretty cool. Um, but is this a guy where, do you think he makes a top 10 this year? It's not as strong as a draft as last year, so I'd say there's definitely a good chance of it, but again, there's still a risk of taking a goalie that early. Yeah, I'm going to say no. Um, not that he isn't an elite net mining prospect, but it's sort of like if Askarov didn't go top 10, then Wallstead's not going to go top 10. The caveat, of course, being if there is a team that desperately needs a goaltending prospect and they happen to be picking ninth or 10th, then maybe it happens. But, you know, I would say Wallstead is like a little bit behind Askarov. Um, you know, he's probably well, – I think at this point we can sort of say Spencer Knight and Askarov are like the two major goaltending prospects who are, you know, yet to play in the NHL or sort of be on that cusp. 
Um, you know, I, I would say, you know, like Shesterkin and Sorokin, those guys are sort of in their own age group right now. Um, so the bar is Askarov and Knight. And I think Wallstead's close to those guys, but he's not quite there. And, and both Askarov and Knight were, you know, outside of the top 10. Um, I mean, the, the problem really is that you need to find a team that really wants a high-end goaltender that doesn't have you know, a more immediate need at the high end. And typically teams that are picking in the top 10, they need help sooner than later. And even with the elite goaltenders, you're looking at, you know, three, four years before someone has an impact. Whereas even a defenseman, maybe it's only two or three, two or three years, same with a forward. So you get into that sort of situation where there's not going to be that many teams they need a goalie that high. And there's also, I feel there's like still two, what I will call cold feet biases in the top 10. One is goaltenders and the other is players who are 5'10 and shorter where, you know, teams will talk a big game before the draft and say, Oh yeah, that kid's a top five talent for sure. Um, and then when they actually get to the draft, it's like, well, you know, he's a bit small. Uh, we went with this kid. We liked him a little better. You know, Marco Rossi is the perfect example this year. And Marco Rossi's not even small. He's just shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, and Minnesota still got him later than I think a lot of people would have expected. So I think Wallstead falls into that goalie category where you can say like, yeah, you know, he's a top eight talent or something like that. But when it actually comes down to the picks, he's probably going to be in that 11 to 15 range. That's kind of my thing. And like, this is a guy who's got a lot of talent. He's, he's going to be a, a solid NHL starter. Um, even though when you look at those guys who are picked at number 11, uh, Campbell and Bernier more back goaltenders. And uh, also looking at that, I'm assuming that means at some point Ascroft will end up on the Leafs because the other two goalies have uh, been Leafs back goalies at some point. Um, let's talk about Sleeper Calder contenders. Carling O'Keefe wants you to give your top three sleepers. And I don't know how to really justify sleepers in this case. I guess not Kaprasov, not Lafreniere. Um, who are your picks? Yeah, and that's sort of how I took the question. is not Kaprasov, not Lafreniere, not Romanoff. So I'm going to go first with Dylan Cousins. Um, you know, Buffalo's in an interesting situation where they, they have – more depth up front than they have in the past few years. But Cousins is still a very intriguing player. And I think he's the kind of kid where if you had to start him on the wing to get him a good spot, you can do that. I mean, he is a center, but with Jack Eichel and now Eric Stahl, Buffalo does not need a top six center this season. But if you get Cousins into the mix there, I think he has the opportunity to put up some numbers because he does have the mobility and he does have the size to compete in the NHL. So I think, you know, Cousins would be an interesting um, sort of case study there. The next name I'll mention is Liam Foody with Columbus. You know, we saw him a bit in the playoffs and I I made this joke at the time that it's going to be really fun to see different NHL teams realize in real time, just how fast Liam Foodie is. I think, especially early on in the campaign, we're going to see a lot of defensemen look silly because Foodie's going to get a step on them and just go right to the net. And, you know, in, a, in what's probably a shortened season, um, I think Foodie could be quite the sort of secret weapon 
for the Columbus Blue Jackets. You know, he, he brings them a really nice look. And because of that speed, you know, he has some, some dynamic elements to him where I think he, he probably could uh, make an impact if he has a good camp and if he finds sort of the right spot on the team. And, you know, obviously assuming that he makes the team. Um, the last name that I'll mention is Phil Tomasino oh, with Nashville. And this is a very similar scenario where Tomasino is an excellent skater. Uh, he has impressed the Predators at camp before. So, you know, he made a great first impression, which is always nice. And, you know, if you look at the Predators forward core, they don't have a ton of like high end talent outside of say, you know, like Philip Forsberg, obviously. So I, I wonder if Tomasino can sort of slide his way in there. And again, whether it's at center or the wing, if they can find a spot for him, I think he can surprise a lot of people, especially early on, simply because other teams don't have a book on him. And this kid has a lot of skill. All right. Corbin Couture asks, how confident are you that Cole Caulfield's game will transfer to the NHL? Obviously, we know he's a good goal scorer. And uh, like you said, there's the thing about smaller players he's definitely a smaller player do you think it translates well to the nhl and he becomes the prospect Habs fans are looking for yeah i'm pretty confident in cole caulfield simply because his accuracy and his release are so elite that it's going to translate it's almost in that like austin matthews vein where the goalie knows it's coming and it still doesn't matter uh, because he doesn't know quite where it's going to go. And Caulfield, I mean, he can just pinpoint it. I think that because he's a winger, that's going to help because he's not going to have the same defensive responsibilities as, you know, he would if he were a center, you know, obviously. And because he's smaller, obviously the wing, again, is, is a better place for him. So I don't think he's ever going to be a, a Selkie Trophy candidate, but – if you think about Cole Caulfield on the power play, if you think about Cole Caulfield, you know, when you need a goal at the end of a game and you're six on five, or simply just, you know, even five on five, if you think about his ability to create and to create quickly, that's a nice asset. So I, I don't think he's necessarily going to be that dominant all around player, but not everybody has to be that guy you can just be really, really good at goal scoring and no one's going to turn that down. So yeah, I, I definitely have faith in Cole Caulfield. Yeah. This is one where, uh, again, the, the Canadians could really use a guy of his caliber and we know how good he is at the college level, but a lot of fans really wanted him to make the jump this season, which I think would have been a mistake. So it was good that it, it all worked out with COVID and he went back to college as it is, but I, I think Canadians fans should still be pretty excited about him. Finally, a. Shane's asks, should I finally give up on Henrik Borgstrom? I don't want to say yet. I know that he, I believe he's 23 years old right now. Uh, he's playing in Finland right now just so he can get game reps. I do feel like Henrik Borgstrom left the University of Denver too early, and, and that was a bit of a misstep. Uh, even though, you know, he was tremendously successful with the pioneers, I think he stayed longer. He probably could have rounded out his game and, and gotten stronger. And that probably would have, uh, helped his case really. I mean, Borstrom needs to take the next step because he has split time between the AHL and the NHL the past couple of years. And now he's back in Finland. 
it's, it's not a great time for development for a guy his age, let's face it. I mean, so many things are in flux that it's, I don't want to say it's a lost year for these players, but it's not a great year. And so that doesn't help Borgstrom. I think if next year he doesn't establish himself right away as a regular on the Florida Panthers, then yeah, you're probably looking at a guy that's not going to work out that, you know, he might just be an AHL tweener or maybe he just goes back to Europe and plays there. But I don't want to count him out yet because this season is, is not going to really help anybody. All right, Ryan, thank you so much for answering all the viewer questions. If you want him to answer questions, uh, send them to our Facebook and our Twitter. Now for our Ayrton Martino interview. I'm here with Ayrton Martino, left winger for the Chilliwack Chiefs of the BCHL. Ayrton, first of all, thanks for being here on the Prospect Podcast. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I'm really excited. No problem. So first of all, Ayrton, uh, you played the BCHL's extended training camp, uh, and now we're on a hiatus until the regular season starts, obviously due to COVID. But I'm curious, what was your experience like in that extended training camp where essentially you were playing real games against other teams? Yeah, um, it was different. I mean, we never really, uh, no one's really experienced anything like uh, a global pandemic, what we're going through right now. But uh, we're very fortunate enough to have that extended training camp. I know a lot of teams aren't actually uh, participating in anything like that. And uh, the practicing was tough. Uh, our coach pushed us to the limits uh, throughout the week. And, um, and we ended up getting some inter-squad scrimmages in early on for some of the exhibition games we were allowed to play. So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it's something different, but I think it's uh, it'll help our team out in the long run. Excellent. Now, you're in the BCHL this year. You were in the Ontario Junior A League uh, before that. How do you compare the two in terms of just the, the level of competition and the, the style of play? Um, I think they're, uh, they're pretty similar. I think the uh, the depth in the uh, the BCHL is uh, a bit better than the OJHL, but I think speed wise and and game wise, I don't think I haven't really ad- uh, had problems adapting to it yet. And uh, I also think it's because coaching staff, my coaching staff, has been putting me in some good spots to uh, to adapt quicker and uh, kind of gotten used to it. Playing at the World Junior A Challenge uh, against some tougher competition there too, it's kind of all came around full, full circle for me. And I think, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's still, still a bit of a challenge and it's still going to take some getting used to, but I think uh, it's been good so far. So I'm excited for uh, this season. Excellent. And speaking of the World Junior A Challenge, you were part of a very surprising Canada East squad last year that ended up getting silver. What was it about that team that you think uh, led to that success? Um, I think just the, the character on the team. I think we all uh, we all understood that uh, what what our team was, and we were a real hardworking team, and uh, we showed that throughout the tournament. We had some great coaching there, our coaches, and uh, on top of that, our goalie was really really good, uh, Devin Levi. And uh, when you put all that together, and you put some guys that want to win and want to prove a lot of people wrong, 
Uh, it turned out, it turned out, came up a bit short, but it turned out to be a, a fantastic tournament for uh, for the guys and for Canada East to, as a team. Right on. Devin Levi, of course, was drafted by the Florida Panthers, and he's a Northeastern uh, Husky now. Uh, you yourself are committed to Clarkson uh, for next season. What was it about the Clarkson program that intrigued you? Um, I just think the, the coaching staff, right? Um, my buddy, uh, Noah Beck, also uh, committed to Clarkson, so I was, uh, that was the big thing. But uh, when I was talking to Clarkson, they, uh, they showed me their campus, they showed me their facilities, and uh, I ended up watching game as well. And the, the atmosphere in the game uh, that I watched was next level. I thought it was uh, a lot of fun. And uh, it's also really close to home. It's, uh, it's only four hours, so my parents can uh, – can hop on a car, uh, a car ride, and come watch. And I guess where other schools they might not be allowed to. That was also big. Um, I also think they play in a tough division, uh, the ECAC division, which is uh, there's a lot of older guys normally that go in there, and it's a tougher league. So it's going to help me develop and get better to uh, to play pro uh, in the future. Excellent. Now you are a prospect for the 2021 NHL draft. Um, for people who haven't seen you play before, what do you think you do best on the ice? Uh, I think my passing ability and my IQ. I think that that's what I bring to the table. Um, I'm still getting bigger and stronger in the gym, which is, which is going to take some time. And, uh, and until I kind of bring it all together, uh, that, that those two, my IQ and my passing ability, help me uh, navigate through the ice into the games. And you mentioned getting bigger and stronger. Is there any other part of your game that you want to improve upon this season? Yeah, playing away from the puck. I feel like I, uh, I kind of get lost sometimes uh, in the D zone and stuff, but uh, my coaching staff's given me ample opportunity to, uh, to make that better and get better in that sense. And uh, they've been helping me out with video and, uh, and stuff like that. So um, shout out to them. And, and uh, yeah, my D zone, my D zone. Right on. And if there was an NHL player that you would like to model your game after, who would it be? Um, Riley Smith on uh, uh, Vegas Golden Knights. I think that would be a left, uh, left-handed shot, uh, same kind of build, play, uh, passing game first, and uh, can, still, can, can still put the puck in the back of the net. But, uh, yeah, passing game first, so uh, to him. Right on. And finally, what are you doing during this break in the BCHL to, to keep yourself on point just in terms of training, whether it's on ice or off ice? Yeah, so uh, Monday to Friday, we're on the ice uh, every day. And uh, on top of that, we're in the gym uh, every day, Monday to Friday. So our trainer is putting us through uh, some tough workouts, but uh, you get it done now. And by the season, everyone will be uh, – stronger and, and faster and it's going to look a lot better on our team and uh and the guys that are doing it uh versus the guys on other teams that might not be uh, uh doing it and might not have the ability to do it from uh, their facilities so right excellent well thanks so much for doing this Ayrton and uh good luck the rest of your draft season yeah thank you so much for having me All right, Ryan, that was a great interview. This is a guy that I'm really excited about. I know a lot of scouts have been really kind of impressed with his game. 
Yeah, and like you said, you know, because he played in the OJHL last year, you and I had more of an opportunity to see him. Uh, I, you know, I have been watching him in the BCHL early on this year, um, just online, and it's still that just sort of dynamic skill package that is so intriguing. And I, you know, I, I think he's on a good path. You know, Clarkson's a good school. They've developed a lot of NHLers. And like he said, you get good older competition in that ECAC conference. So it'll be fun to see what he can do next year. All right. To finish off this episode, give us some prospects that you're keeping an eye on right now. Well, speaking of the NCAA, we've had a lot of good action there. Um, my number one player, Carter Savoy, the Edmonton Oilers pick from 2020. This is a guy that uh, I followed a lot last year because he was one of the standouts in the Alberta Junior A League. And he was always a goal scorer. We knew that. Scouts weren't sure if he was quite ready for college, if he needed to round his game out. But uh, six points in his first four games for Denver. So I think he was uh, good to go. Uh, he has goals in every game he's played so far. And uh, he has been a real driver for the Pioneers. So great start for Carter Savoy. Uh, sticking with the NCAA, got to talk about Michigan because they're so entertaining this year. Kent Johnson, uh, a top 2021 draft prospect, had a highlight real goal uh, against Minnesota the other night. I mean, this kid's just getting started. He's so electric. And, you know, he's still getting used to the NCAA game, but based on what he's done already, I don't like, I think it's very credible to still have him as kind of a top three guy for this draft. I think that, you know, certainly there are a lot of options, but Ken Johnson is really proving himself early and he's getting great opportunities with the Wolverines and he's certainly taking advantage of them. Uh, the final player I'll mention just actually watched him last night. It's my new favorite goalie prospect, <laughs> Patrick Hammerla from Energy Carlo Vivari in the Czech league. Uh, this was, he made his uh, season debut in uh, the Czech top league playing against men. Uh, he got the win. It was a two, one overtime victory. It was actually one on a penalty shot in overtime. If you can believe it. Um, this kid's got size. And what I really like about him is that he hates giving up rebounds. He doesn't give up a lot of them. And if he does, he passes on the right away. You can tell he's a pretty competitive kid. And, you know, considering he was playing his uh, first game of the season against men, I thought he looked pretty poised out there. Uh, just a really nice performance. And, again, hey, small sample size, but you, you give up one goal in your first game of the season playing against older, stronger competition. I think it bodes really well, and I'm excited to see what this kid can do the rest. 